Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. We have been talking about honor, and remember honor. Uh, to understand honor, we have to first translate the word glory. And it's like a church word that, that we have a lot, but the word glory means something that has inherent intrinsic worth. In other words, it cannot be separated from it. It's, it's just comes with the territory. Glory it has worth. It is what it is. Honor is a perceived value of that worth. Or, or the, the definition goes like this. A perceived value to render or to esteem glorious. Honor is to perceive value, comma, to render or esteem glorious. So to me, you know, for me, I need you to take it down to the bottom shelf, right? I, I, so that's the top shelf. I need you to take it down to the bottom shelf. So, so let's go to the bottom shelf for a second. To render means to cause something to become. So, so when we are, when we are uh, perceiving value or we are rendering, in other words, when we, when we give something honor, we are causing it to become the value that God placed on it. So, so honor is not given or earned. Honor is appointed. Honor does not start from weak people. It comes from strong people. People that do not honor are probably weak. Strong people honor because they need no honor. So they have the ability to appoint it to others because they want to rise everybody, right? And so we're going to be a church that we, we, we stick of our position is honor. We're going to honor each other. We're not going to stumble over everything you're not. We're going to focus on who God's called you to be, right? We're not going to stumble at what you did walking into this room or what you did last night or, or where you say you are, man. We, we, we're, going to, we're not going to stumble of who you used to be or how you feel or, or what you said. We're going to say, man, we're, we're focused on where God is calling you. My hope is that you leave this place more encouraged, that you don't leave this place discouraged. You don't leave this place beat up. You don't leave this place feeling like you can't level up. I pray that my words in this room level you up, that I honor you as I honor God's word and it ascribes worth to you. I am appointing worth to you. I don't care what your parents appointed to you. I don't want you care what you you appointed to yourself last night. I am appointing worth and value because Jesus died for you and that is the value on your life. So I'm reminding you of that. You are great. You are born for greatness, not born for failure, not born for fear. God, you were born for love, not born for fear. We have to learn fear we were born with love. Okay, good. So now that we know what honor is, now let's go to a story in the Bible where a man honored Jesus. I'm going to skip around a little bit here, so hopefully you can stay on your toes. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, your position is honor. Stay on your toes. John chapter 4 verse 46 says this, at once he visited Canaan in Galilee. And then he lets us know where this place was because we don't know where Canaan and Galilee is. This is the place where he had turned the water into wine. Remember, remember last week we talked about the wine 
vessels. How many guys learned something new last week that you did not know? That, that those, those, those vessels that Jesus used were ne- not necessarily the cleanest vessels in the town. They became holy because Jesus chose them, not because they were holy to begin with. He chose the dirtiest vessels, the ceremonial cleansing vessels, to bring about his greatest miracle and value. And I don't know if you realize or find yourself in the story, but when I read the story, I identify with the bridegroom who is about to be embarrassed because he has not had enough money to fulfill his duties with shame. And then I also identify with the vessels that were used for ceremonial washing and could not be used for anything great. And then yet Jesus chooses me to put something great in my life. Look, the greatness of a person speaking on this stage should never be the fact that they speak. It should be the fact that they shouldn't be able to. Hopefully that you never look at me and go, man, my pastor can preach. Hopefully for the rest of your life you go, you know what? The greatest thing about pastor is that he failed every speech he ever gave, yet God chose him anyways. (laughs) Look, we do not boast in ourselves, we boast in him, amen? So once more, he visited Canaan in Galilee. This is where he turned the water into wine. So this is a cool place. And there was a certain royal official. Everybody say that with me, royal official. So you know who this is. Whose son lay sick in Capernaum. Now, I do want to highlight this. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I got a lot to talk about. But, but this royal official, this, this lets us know some things about where we're talking about. Capernaum if we were to study it, this is where Jesus, he, he, when he started his miracles, when he started his ministry, he moved from his hometown, Nazareth, to Capernaum. He did all of his miracles where he lived. Capernaum is where he met Peter and John. Capernaum is, is, is where he did a lot of his miracles. Capernaum is the, where the miracle of the withered, ha- withered hand came about. The man with the right hand that was withered and God healed his right hand, which would have been really incredible to the man because you use your right hand for authority. You also use your right hand for connection. In their culture, you did not shake a left hand because with your left hand, that's how you wiped. You only shook with your right hand. I'm just, I'm just getting real with you. So, so this man, he walked around with a broken right hand and no one wanted to touch his left hand. But God, so, God, so God not only healed his right hand, but he gave him a new connection with others that he had never had. He gave him the ability to eat again with people and commune. This is where God did miracles. This is where Peter's mother-in-law's house is. In fact, there's a church today built on top of where Peter's mother-in-law's house is, where they say one of the first churches was really in that house because the church really started as a house party. It was so packed out that, that they had to cut a hole in the roof to get someone in. This place, Capernaum, where this royal official is from, is a miracle place. This is a place where today, if you were to go visit the places where Jesus walked, there would be tour guides that would take you through Capernaum. They would take you through, through this area, through this region of Galilee. There was three areas in the city where they call it the evangelistical triangle. It's, it's, it's different than the Bermuda Triangle. It's where Jesus was doing miracles. There were miracles, supernatural things happening in the evangelistic triangle. And, and it's unique to, to note that in this evangelistic triangle is actually the place where Jesus ends up cursing because of their lack of faith. So, so just a side note, just because there are miracles in the past does not 
mean that we will have faith in today. Just because God's done incredible things in the past in downtown LA does not mean we automatically have the faith to believe he is who he says he is today. Just because God's done a miracle with the American church does not mean we, need to, we don't need to stir up our faith today. This was a place where Jesus had done his greatest miracles, yet people did not believe. This also shows me that miracles alone do not cause belief. It takes more than miracles. And so here's this man, he's, he's a royal official. Now this city that he comes from is a, now I'm just boring you for a second to, to pull you into this scripture because if it's just one dimensional, we cannot climb into it, okay? So, so to climb into it, we have to kind of understand the climate of the moment. This royal official is, is, is not a, a believer maybe. He, he's not a churchgoer, he's not a fearless one. He, he's just a guy or we could say in our modern day, he's a politician in the city. Now, this is not just some podunk town in the middle of nowhere. Now, Nazareth, maybe that was where, but where Jesus was born. But, but where, where this is, this, this, is a, this is a city where they, Rome has put a royal official. The, the royal official lives there. That means that this city was an important city to Rome. This was a strategic city. This also, if we know Capernaum, where he's coming from, where he says, my son is dying. I need your help, Jesus. He's trying to pull Jesus into his city. This city, we also know, was a border city. It bordered different countries, so people would come through the border there. Sounds a lot like LA. This was also a, a port city. This was a city that was important because of the port that was there, goods and money. And because there was money in this city, there was a Roman official there. The Roman official was there to watch out for the tax collectors. He was to keep account for the taxlers. No wonder why most of Jesus' disciples, some of them were tax collectors. Now, back in the day, I know we have some tax collectors in our church. I mean, Tim's family runs a tax collecting business. Uh, we have some tax collectors. We have very nice people. But in these days, to be a tax collector was more like being in the mob. They, they, would, they would twist people's arms. They would, they would pull money out of them that wasn't there. They would take money for themselves. So, so when Jesus, is, the Bible is confronting him, religious people are saying, Jesus is hanging out with notorious sinners, and then they go, and tax collectors. The reason why is because he lived in a city that collected taxes. This was an important city. Why are you saying all this? Because Jesus is not hiding or nervous about LA. He is not nervous about us planning a church here. He is not nervous. He doesn't, he does not think like this is a church graveyard. This place is too dark for him to move. He does not think like this is too difficult for him. No, where he did his ministry was an important pivotal city. Welcome to the ministry. Welcome to the important pivotal city where God wants to do most of his miracles in these last days. And you are his hands and feet. But miracles alone will not cause belief. And this man's to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my son is sick. Now, now in this moment, in this moment, I, I picture if someone came to me and said, my son is sick. And people have, I've gone to the hospitals and prayed with them. I've cried with them I've, because I have a son. And I know what it's like in the middle of the night when my son is sick and I, I feel helpless and I feel like I wish I could trade positions. I, I wish that it could be me instead of him, but it's him and, and he's innocent. And, and here's this man, a father. Do we have any dads in the house? Let me see any dads in the house. This dad 
who is also a royal official, comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need, I need a favor. And then the Bible says, when the man heard Jesus had arrived, it says he went on and he begged him. He's begging for a miracle. Come and heal my son who is close to death. Now, this moment is important to, to note that this royal official could have grabbed a hold of Jesus according to the law and drug him back to his town. He had the authority. He had every right. He had the backup of Rome to this Jewish rabbi. In fact, in, in Rome, it was known that if you passed a soldier or a Roman citizen, you were to carry their stuff for them on the Romans road. You were to carry it at least a mile. And it was the law to do that. Jesus, that's why Jesus says, don't just carry it one mile, carry it two miles. So, so it was actually about, you imagine a Roman citizen, but, but this is a Roman official. He had the power to look at this Jewish rabbi and said, you must come with me. But notice he gives Jesus honor. He doesn't lord his authority over Jesus. He comes humbly to Jesus. He comes with the right attitude and the right heart. And Jesus responds in the way he wants him to respond. Nope, he doesn't. This is how I read, when I read the Bible, it kind of trips me out because I'm like, that's what I'm thinking, right? And then I read on. Look, look what it says. Look how Jesus responds to this nice dad who comes humbly, who could have used his authority, but doesn't, and comes and believes Jesus. Look at how Jesus responds. Verse 48. Unless you people see a miraculous sign, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Now, now hold on a sec. <laughs> I don't know, this is not the character of my Jesus. Because I, I, this is not the Jesus we, we, we think he is because if the pastor were to say something like this, <laughs> hey pastor, I need you to come visit my family, please. Uh, I'm, I'm just asking that you, and, and I, call, I say back to you, you people. First of all, you better hope that you're not a different race than me. A different culture than me because that's like a racist almost remark. If you look at someone that's a different culture, a different race, and you say, you people? Look at someone Latino and say, you people, right? It's like, oh, you people. Jesus looked at someone a different culture than him, and he says, you people. Ooh, who is this Jesus? Excuse me. But watch. The Roman official responds to Jesus different than we do. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. There are some times in life where you got to hold your tongue. There are some times in life where you got to hold what you think. You don't have to live out everything you think. Maybe some of those thoughts need to die in your head. Maybe some of it is a test to see if you can live in the blessing. I've found that Jesus never gives a test so he can find out the answer. 
I've found that Jesus only gives tests so I can find out what's been in my heart the whole time. And this man passes the test. And my teachers never gave me a test to punish me. They only gave me tests to graduate me. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're walking through a test. And you're about to graduate. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. He took Jesus at his word. Come on. This is honor. This is honor. He took Jesus at his word. He took Jesus at his word. See, look, miracles alone do not negate more miracles. This was the place where Jesus's greatest miracles happened. But just because they happened there in the past does not mean they're going to happen there in the present. It's not because, look, and I say that because sometimes we go, Jesus, because you did it in the past, I'm, I'm asking that you do it today. And we hold it on the fact that because you did it then, I'm asking you to do it now. But miracles in the past don't actually work out to be miracles in the present alone. It's honor into that equation that changes heaven's perspective. It's when the man honored the word. He took Jesus at his word and he began to walk on his word. Touch your name and say walk on his word. Come on, I hope you're not just attending today. I hope you're going to walk out on this word. I hope you're going to grab a hold of this word and say, this word's for me. I hope when you say amen, it's not just to be loud in church and to get noticed. I hope when you say amen, you're saying, I agree with that. I pull that into my life. I'm walking on this word. I don't care who's preaching it. I care what the word is saying over my life. I walk on that word. When you begin to walk on that word, you can start living out. I'm taking Jesus at his word. The royal official Starts taking Jesus at his word. Well, and then the Bible says, verse 51, I love this. While he was still on his way. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, God's going to interrupt your way. While he was still on his way, his servant came and met him with the news that his boy was living. Somebody say, that's a miracle. While he was going forward, someone from his forward met him on the path to let him know the thing he was walking towards was already finished. I'm here in the middle of your path as a servant. I don't know who I came to talk to today. I don't, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. I might, might just be preaching to one person or that person that doesn't have it all together. I don't know who had a word from the Lord last year and you begin to walk on it. You begin to trust that he would heal you like he said he would heal you. I don't know who I came to talk to today, but I'm coming as a servant of the Lord from the destination you're headed to. And I came to let you know that the thing you're walking towards is already finished in Christ Jesus. It's already complete. I came to let you know you don't have to walk with your head down anymore. I came to let you know you don't have to be defeated. I came to let you know you don't have to listen to the devil's voice to turn around and go find some other solution. I came to let you know that his word yesterday is the same today and forever. I came to let you know in the midnight as this man walked, it was a 25 mile journey. Sounds like life. God gives you a word 
and it's a journey. And you start out just excited about the journey, passionate about the journey, believing because you are so close to Jesus, you can still hear the echo of his voice. But there will be a point in the journey where all you have is the memories of what he said yesterday. All you have is the memories of the smell of his skin. All you have is the memories of the closest of the worship moment. And you will have to walk through the dark to get to your miracle. You will have to camp out in the night to get to your miracle. And in the night, I guarantee you, there's going to be a voice that comes in the middle of the race that says, turn around, quit right here, go back, go get Jesus with your authority and drag him into your situation. Go make Jesus come with you. Go manipulate this thing. Go work this thing. Go try to get another word. Go try to get another prophecy. Go try to get another prophet to prophesy about you, about what I've already spoken about you. It's funny how when we get a word from God, we want another word from God and another word from God and another word from God. You know why? Because we really don't believe in the first place. We got to start walking towards what God already spoke. We got to start hovering over the darkness, hovering over the deep. That's where God does his miracles. That's where God answers his call. He started walking towards his miracle. And in the middle of the journey, a servant met him. Here I am. I'm just a servant. I'm not here to be a preacher. I'm not here to be a pastor. I'm not here to have a big church. I'm just here to be a servant of the people of God. It said, because you honor God, because you stepped out on his word, the greatest worry we can honor God is not in the daylight. It's in the midnight. It's when the enemy's speaking to us loudest and we're saying, no, yea, that he slay me. I will trust him with my broken bones. I will praise him. Yea, though. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they guide me, they comfort me. We start acting like that. All of a sudden, God sends someone right in the nick of time, right when we were about to give up to encourage you. I came to encourage you today. I came to tell you, keep walking today. In fact, I guarantee in that moment, that dad was no longer walking. He began running towards his miracle. He didn't care how tired he was from the journey. Something switched inside of him. And I pray something would switch inside of you. I'm tired of seeing Christians depressed. I'm tired of seeing Christians honoring God and all of a sudden not honoring God. Come on, just keep moving forward. If you can't walk, get on your knees, baby, and crawl. If you can't crawl, you roll. If you can't roll, you scoop. Do whatever you do, but keep moving towards the promises of God in your life. Don't look back. Look forward. Don't look back. Look ahead. God has bigger things ahead of you than what's behind you. Sorry, I told you I'm going to preach today. Let me just. Your boy is already healed. And then he says this, when did he get healed? Tell me when he got healed. Was it my first step? Was it my third step? In other words, did I earn it? Where did I earn it? I know that third mile was hard. I knew that fourth mile was difficult. And the servant said, it happened in the seventh hour. Calculating, calculating, calculating. No, the sixth hour is the hour of man. I didn't do it. I didn't earn it. The seventh hour. Oh, it was the seventh hour that his word went out. It was before I took a step that he answered the prayer. It was before I prayed. It was before I fasted. It was before I did the right thing. My God is who he says he is. When he speaks, things shift even if I don't see it, it's already done. 
I wonder if your miracle is already finished. What are you believing for? What words have God given you? Because I came here to let you know it's already finished. And it was finished not when you did it, not when you earned it, not when you got it right together. It was finished when he said it. Because when he says it, that's all we need. He is God all by himself. He does not need you to unite with him. He does not need you to believe his word. When he says it, it does not return void. I don't know who I came to preach to today. I don't know who's been depressed today. I don't know who's thought they had ever tried. Man, I failed a couple times. Maybe the miracle disappeared. I've had people tell me a lot, maybe God doesn't want to use me anymore because I've messed up a lot. I have listened to the enemy's voice and went back and tried to drag Jesus back into my situation. And here I am in the middle. I've been camping in the middle for a long time. I don't know if the miracle is probably dead by now. I had to do what God told me to do. And yes, God does say to the man, your son will be healed. Will. He doesn't say is. But in that moment, he was healed. So did Jesus misspeak? Or was his words given to the man so the man would be changed? Let me say it a different way. When Jesus spoke, the miracle was done. So why was the man walking? Believing it was going to come one day. Why didn't God not just say it happened now? It's already done. And the man could have skipped all the way home. Why did God make the man go through the midnight? Why did God make the man go through doubting? Why did the ma- God make the man go through, let me just put it this way. Why did God make me go through being 15 and being rejected by people? Why did God make me go through failing every assignment I ever gave and stood up in front of people, yet call me forward, yet believe for greatness? Why did God ask me to walk the journey? Because it wasn't about the healing. The walking wasn't about the healing. The healing was already finished. The walking wasn't about the son. It was about the man. Uh, Jesus was not trying to Give more victory to the son. The son, where he was going, was already celebrating. God was trying to see if there could be a celebration in the man while he walked. Ah. This lets me know that I do not want to give the devil worship in the middle of this thing. This lets me know that I'm going to give God the highest praise before that voice comes, before I'm let known. God is allowing me to walk through this to grow me. This is actually for me. This is to make me a better person. See, it's on the backside of this stuff that you say, thank God I went through hell and high water. If it wasn't for... I wouldn't be who I am. This is where you can start thanking them for people that rejected you. This is where you can start thanking them for people that left you. People that walked out on you. People that didn't see you as a big deal. Thank you, God. Because if it hadn't been for... I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have said I trusted you in the midnight. I couldn't have said I believed you. I would have just been like the rest of them jokers in that city who only are looking for miracles but can't just have you. What are you walking towards? Because whatever you're walking towards is who you're honoring. Are you honoring his word or their word? Are you honoring his word or his word? Are you honoring his word or your own word? 
What word are you honoring right now? Because if you honor fear, you walk towards fear. And if you're walking towards fear, you're honoring it. And whatever you honor, you are giving value to. You are appointing value to it. You are lifting it up. I, I, ser- I came to serve notice on fear. I came to serve notice on anxiety. I came to serve notice on man's word over us. And I came to say, God, is, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Your miracle's already finished. The job you've been believing for is already set up. The right paycheck, the right boss, the right employees, the right people who need Jesus, the marriage that you're worried about is already, God's already working on your spouse. He's working on them. Look, don't take anything out of the oven before it's finished, baby. Then you might get, you might get salmonella if you take cookies out too soon. Leave the cookies in the oven. Let them cook to the proper, look, if you leave something Sometimes time is not hurting you. It's helping you. The crazy thing is he didn't make the boy suffer so the man can learn. He lives outside of time. It was done. This is why we have to begin to see that the thing wasn't about healing. It was about people. People are a passion. The dad didn't come to Jesus and humble himself because he wanted to be a part of a miracle and be written into the Bible. He came to Jesus because there was a person on the other end who needed help. This is why I want to tell the church, the greatest honor does not stop at giving God honor, but it comes when we begin to honor each other. Who is sick in this house that you are coming to Jesus and crying out, on your knees and saying, God, heal my friends, heal my, 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 my church people, heal, heal the people in my group, heal the people in my fearless life, heal my boss. Who are the people you're coming to God on behalf of? And now you're walking out his word on behalf of this is a church that we are going to honor people, not over who they're not. We're not going to stumble over who they're not. We're going to honor them for who they are. And when we do that, we honor God. The man was taking a journey, not for himself. If the miracle is still about you, you miss the greatest miracle. Because the miracle and the journey and what he put himself for through were for somebody else. I, I love in the Bible because it, it, it's very clear. And, 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 and some people would make, try to make it not clear. And, and I, I think that that's the problem that Eve had. She, she tried to make the word as not clear as she could, and the enemy played into that. The word is simple. Honor is how the kingdom flows. If you want to see miracles in your life, honor is how it comes. If you don't, leave honor out. Look at what it says in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm almost done. 22, 12, 22. It says, in fact, some parts in the body that seem weakest and less important are actually most important. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. In other words, in simple words, none of you are naked today. You put clothes on. Why? Why'd you do that? To cover parts of you that would be shameful to just have out in public. Now, I know that's funny, but God is trying to 
hit your sense of humor to help you understand something. You're a body. And if you're an honorable part, you work hard at covering your dishonorable parts. Why don't we do that in the church? Why do we put our dishonorable parts out there to shame our own body? I have a problem with Christians that have a problem with this church that aren't doing anything about it except for complaining and uncovering. I have a problem with that is keeps making the bride of Christ a streaker. I have a problem with them. I've had a problem with the church, the, the problems in the church, they, but I'm becoming a pastor of a church to change the problems that I see. I am here to cover up the people that don't have honor. I'm here to cover up the person who say, man, I'm just trying to learn this thing. And every other word, the F word comes out. I'm just trying to get this down. We are not here to put each other on blast to feel better about ourselves. If we do that, we don't understand why we're in this journey in the first place. We're trying to cover each other. We're trying to, oh, look, this is very clear. While more parts that are honorable do not require special care. So God put the parts together in the body and gave such that extra honor and care were given to those parts that had less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members. If we want to be unified, you know what unifies us? Honor. Honor unifies us. If we honor each other, it unifies us. You know what disunifies us? Gossip. Can I talk to you about gossip for 10 minutes? Is that okay? Just to, if, if, you're not, if you don't want to hear it, that's okay. I can come back another time. Just maybe that, you had enough for today. Because this is how we dishonor each other. In the middle of God's word over someone, we start giving our own words. There are eight types of gossip, not just one. The first type of gossip, if you're taking notes, is slander. Slander can be defined like this. The spreading of rumors or lies about a person to cause damage to them purposely. Anybody know anyone that's done that? <laughs> you're like, they're sitting next to me. No, <laughs> right? Anybody themselves accidentally done that? This is where it gets real honest. Okay, good. Spreading rumors or lies about someone to damage them purposely. The Bible is very clear about this. In Colossians 3, 8, it says, but now you must rid yourself of all such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander. This is something that will be in you, but you've got to get rid of it. This is something that your life comes with, but you've got to rid it out of your life. Come on, so if we're not ridding it, it might be there in our life. James 4.11 says it straight. It says, brothers, do not slander one another. In other words, honor one another. Speak life over one another. Honor one another. Live out, walk out God's word over that person. The miracle isn't just the healing. The miracle is really found in the transformation. The miracle wasn't just that the guy was sick and he got well. The miracle is that God made him whole. He gave him life. When do we stop believing God's word over what we're walking towards? When do we stop believing God's word over the sick person? Maybe they're not sick with an illness. Maybe they're sick with anger. Maybe they're sick with fear. Maybe they're sick with rejection. When do we stop fathering people around us and mothering people around us and risking our life through the midnight to step out on God's word over them? 
Gossip is what turns us back. Gossip is entertaining the lies of the enemy. The second kind of gossip that we can do in the church is dishing. Or we call this dishing the dirt. Or another, another, another way I've heard this described is the juice. You ever been around anyone that likes the juice? Or likes to give the juice? I put it on my Instagram this week. Be careful about people that like to juice. Because <laughs> eventually they will squeeze your lemons too. Whatever they juice about others, they're going to juice about you. People come to this church all the time. They tell me how bad their last pastor was. How much they hated their last pastor. You know what I do with those people? Awesome. I'm not going to let you juice me too. Because whatever, if you're juicing them, you're also going to juice me. Be cautious about people who like to give you the juice. Because they're only giving you the juice so you'll trust them with the juice. So they can juice about you. Okay, good. We're getting healthy now with juice. Amen. Praise God. James 5.9 says, don't grumble against each other or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Another way we can gossip about each other is rumors. It's when you hear something and it's not good and maybe it's not even confirmed as true, but you, but you tell someone or maybe you don't tell someone, you just ask someone about it to get more info. You kind of feel like you're a news reporter trying to get the true end of the story these are called rumors and the rumor mill turns and the rumor mill turns and the wheat is crushed and the goodness is crushed we're not going to do that as a church we're not going to be chasing rumors we're going to be chasing relationship with jesus that causes us to believe the best about others proverbs thirteen three says this he who guards his lips guards his life but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. The next wave, number four, is backbiting. I'm almost done. This is a flavor at gossip of gossip that tastes like the back of somebody else. It's called backbiting for a reason because you don't do it in front of them, you do it behind their back. You speak spitefully or slanderous words or of another who is not present and who could do nothing to defend themselves. It's like calling a court and a judge and a jury and not inviting the witness to the stand. We're not going to do that as a church. We're going to be people that give people a fair trial. We're going to believe they're innocent, in, like in our world, before proven guilty. Right? We're not going to backbite. Here's how you can do a good thing. If, if you're ever talking about someone, pretend like they're in the room and then find out if you would talk the same. If your talk changes, then you're probably not talking how you should talk. <laughs> because if they're in the room and your tone changes or how you look changes, the devil doesn't like this sermon. Get out of here. Get out of here. Then that means that you are unrightfully judging them without them being able to defend their honor. Number five, not really telling jokes, but joking. You ever joked about someone's character? It was a joke to you, but maybe it wasn't a joke to them. And you assassinated someone's character through a joke. It was just fun. It was just forsakes and giggles. And, but it was a joke that hurt their character. Another way you can do it is planting seeds. The problem with planting seeds is that whatever you sow, you will reap. You may not reap someone doing it about you, but you will reap that in their life. 
you will have to eat of that fruit in their life. I don't know about you, but I want to sow good seeds into people's life. I want to sow seeds from the perspective of heaven in their life. I want to see them healed. I want to see them transformed. And number seven way we can gossip is whispered innuendos. This is body language. This is size. This is, you know, it's like saying something without saying something. And it plants a thought in someone's head that may assassinate someone else's character. We're not going to do that in this church. We're going to be people that honor. The eighth way that you can do this is I got it all wrong kind of gossip. In other words, you say like things like this. I probably got it all wrong, but this is what I heard. Or you say things like this. I don't know the whole story, but I heard pieces of it. Really? So don't talk. James 4, 7 says it this way. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it is a sin. We're not going to spread false accusations about people because when we gossip, it's like in the middle of the journey to see them whole. Look, can I tell you this? God already sees them healed no matter how you see them. I know you think that it was you trying to help them get there, you walking out God's word on them, but God is going to do the miracle in their life because he said he's going to do the miracle in their life. He's going to do the miracle in their life because he honored them before they were honorable. What if we started honoring people before they were honorable? What if we started being like Jesus? While we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were still broken, while we were still looking at porn, while we were still angry, while we we were still stealing while we were still shooting up while we were still talking about everybody he honored us not because of us but because his honor is the pattern is the river for miracles in our life and if God says they're healed I'm gonna walk towards who God says they are not who I feel they are not who the devil tells me they are not who interruptions say they are I'm gonna honor God based on his word and I'm gonna honor the person I'm walking out this word for over this room. I'm done. I'm done. Say, how do I do it? How do I do it? Paul said it this way. Finally, brothers, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things and the God of peace will be with you not a piece of God, the God of peace. Say, how do I get God in my situation? You think about whatever is lovely. You think about whatever is true. You think about whatever is noble. You think about whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is love. You think about his word. When you look at other people in this room, how do you see them? How are you thinking about them? When you think about your boss in this city, how are you thinking about it? think about that person who cut you off in traffic how are you thinking about if those thoughts are lovely true noble just all these then get them out of your head they do not belong in your soil allow the word of God to be planted and whatever you sow you will reap if you begin to believe thoughts about your boss the word of God over your boss he might just become what you started believing what could happen if we started honoring each other what could happen if we started believing the best what could happen if we said this journey is not just for me alone I am walking to my miracle 
I came to interrupt your day today and tell you it is finished in Christ Jesus. Jesus sees is walking towards that. Worship is walking on his word. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's open our voice. for my son it was for me you know why you've been rejected by people around you've had to believe the greatness on people that were hard to believe for they were almost dead wasn't for them it was that God was changing you God was changing you to love the unlovable God was changing you to love somebody that that does not deserve love is hard to love it's hard to believe and that is your greatest testimony God was changing the man not changing the situation today God is changing you he's transforming you and whatever he changes in you ain't nobody can take it I said this once in a poem and I'll say it again if what God destroys can't be rebuilt then what he rebuilds can't be destroyed the God we serve is rebuilding you and there is nothing, baby, that can take that away. Everything you've been through, every rejecting you believe through, every time you could have gossiped, but you kept going on his word, every time you could have listened to the devil, but you stayed on the path, every time you just kept moving towards your victory, God was transforming the person in the race. He was changing you. He was preparing you. He was One of you believe that, would you just put your hands up in the air? You say this, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the journey. For the journey. Thank you. Thank you that the healing. That the healing. That the belief. That the belief was not about where I'm going. Not about where I'm going. It's about who I am. Jesus. Jesus. I receive. I receive the change you want to do in my life. Change my mind. Change my mind in the middle. In the middle. Change my mind. Change my mind in the midnight. Help me to believe. 
my situation, over, my situation, over, people, over people, help me to believe, me to believe that it is my great position, my great position to, honor, to honor in Jesus' in name. Jesus Come on, if you believe that, give him a shout of praise in this house. Come on, give him a shout of praise in this house. If you do me one last favor, if you grab the hand of your neighbor all around this crowd. To those that are online, thank you for tuning in with us. Right in the back camera, thank you for tuning in with us. We're going to take you to up top and they're going to lead you in this same thing. Thank you so much from all over the world. Last week, we had over 300 people tune in with us. We had a person get saved online. So if you're online right now, don't check out. God wants to do something in your life. You're going to go with our host upstairs and they're going to walk you through a prayer if you need life. Thank you so much. We love you. We'll see you next week. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all around this place? The Jesus we serve does not come to make bad people good. Like, he was not trying to make the boy good. The boy was about to die, and he was trying to give him life. The Jesus I serve, he didn't come into my life and give me goodness. He came into my death and gave me life. He wants to give you new life. The kind of new life that doesn't wear out, doesn't expire, doesn't shrink. The kind of new life that you don't have to take back. You can't return. You can't earn it. He wants to give you his life in exchange for all your mishaps, all your death. All the death that you've done and all the death that's been done to you. We call that sin. The wages of sin are death. If you've earned death in your life, which all of us have, and you say, man, I've just got a pile of that death. I want to exchange it for life. You've come to the right bank today because Jesus has the answer. He doesn't just have it, he is it. Today he wants to give you that life. You're in here this room and the sound of my voice and you feel dead on the inside and you're tired of it. I just want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand on the count of three. Ready, one, we're all family here. Two, three. I'm tired of being dead. I'm just tired of going, going to sleep dead, waking up dead, working dead, dreaming dead. I need life. I need life today. I need life. I'm not inviting you to join some club. I'm inviting you to life. If you're in this room today and you squeeze your neighbor's hand, your neighbor squeeze your hand. On the count of three, I just want you to lift that hand. And we're going to pray together. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. Hands are going up all over this room. I see those hands. 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 Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.